0: Plan savings with T-Mobile, third-line free, on essentials via monthly bill credits versus comparable available plans. Plan features may vary. Credits stop if you cancel or change plans. Hi, this is Janet Lansbury, and welcome to Unruffled. This week, I'm very excited because I have Lisa Sunbury Gerber with me. Lisa, as many of you know, uh, she studied with Magda Gerber in the 90s at Magda's original office in Silver Lake, and she and I were both there at the same time. She served on Rise board of directors, she spent over 25 years in the field of early education as a caregiver, a program administrator, presenter, and teacher. And she offers parent-infant classes and private consultations, as well as workshops and training for professionals through Regarding Baby. Check out her blog, regardingbaby.org. There's a treasure trove of information and insights there. So anyway, I'm very excited to have her here, and we're going to be discussing a parent's question. Uh, The parent is concerned because she she had what she described as a Velcro baby and she is about to have another baby, and she's concerned that she will get caught up in the same patterns that she did the first time. Okay, here's the letter that I received. Hi Janet, I was lucky enough to discover your work before my baby was born, and it really resonated with me. I was and am very committed to parenting in the way you suggest. As my daughter has gotten older, it has become easier, and I'm so grateful to you that she is growing into a happy, confident, and wonderful little girl. However, for a really long time, I found it incredibly difficult. She was an extremely unsettled baby right from the start. I believe now that she had problems with reflux and pain in her body due to problems with her hips. She slept terribly for over a year, and I was frequently up hourly no matter what I did. This really took its toll on me, physically and emotionally. She was unsoothable a lot of the time in the day as well. What I particularly struggled with was the advice to meet her needs, then let her be. I really wanted to do this, but it felt to me that her needs were never met. The doctors were extremely unhelpful, and I was never able to figure out what was the matter with her, which affected my self-confidence as a mother dramatically. I guess I'm asking what I should have done differently. She hated being put down right from birth. I guess because of the reflux. The only thing that seemed to help was to carry her around in a sling. I tried to avoid doing this because I didn't want her to get used to it, and I wanted to follow the wry approach to natural motor development. But what do you do when being on their back seems to cause them genuine physical pain? I'm pregnant again now, and frankly terrified of having the same experience again. I know all babies are different and everyone tells me it'll be easier this time, as I will be more relaxed, which I'm sure is true to a point. But that kind of annoys me a bit because I feel like people are saying she was the way she was because I wasn't relaxed, which I don't believe was the case for a second. If you could direct me to any articles that I may have missed that particularly offer suggestions for this situation, I would really appreciate it. I feel that there must be other mothers out there who would benefit from some guidance on what to do when you feel like you're doing everything to follow a wry approach and nothing seems to be coming easily any of the time, day or night. My friends' babies, and in fact, pretty much every other baby that I've ever come into contact with, were all much more settled, at least some of the time. I love rye, and I think it's a brilliant approach, but it was so hard to implement with my pained, unhappy Velcro baby. I guess I'm just a bit traumatized by how hard it was. I know you must be very busy. Please don't feel you even have to respond if you are unable to thank you so much again for all you do. I regularly recommend your books and approach to other parents that I meet. Okay, so Lisa, do you have any
1: thoughts you want to share first? You know, they all come with their own temperaments. And some babies have a harder time, either that is their temperament, you know, they're just more sensitive, they're more of everything. They're more sensitive, they're more irregular in their eating and sleeping patterns, they're more intense in their responses, and then some babies legitimately do have physical factors that can complicate things, physical pain, you know, reflux. Um, but within that, I think parents they have to take care of themselves. And I think that even a baby, or especially a baby that may have an intense nature, that may have physical pain for whatever reason, can benefit from Rye, and can benefit from mom taking care of herself and being more relaxed.
0: You know, if we think about it, they're adapting, you know, so intensely, all their systems are developing, their digestion, their respiratory system, there's a lot going on. And it's makes sense that they're uncomfortable. And some of them even more uncomfortable. But what comes to mind sometimes is, I remember Magda telling the story of the two parents, you know, let's say two mothers with their infants, both the infants are crying and uncomfortable, obviously. And one mother is, you know, (laughs) swooshing the baby around and Rocking and maybe, you know, sticking a pacifier in and moving the baby back and forth, up and down, bouncing, bouncing, and the other mother is is just still and holding the baby and, you know, maybe nodding her head and hearing the baby cry. Both of those babies cried for a period of time. And her point was that there really isn't something that we can do about it a lot of the time. And I think if we get caught up in that you know, I've got to fix this, I've got to fix this, then yes, we're going to put an inordinate amount of stress on ourselves. We're going to kind of add more discomfort to the mix with our baby because we're so uncomfortable, which is only going to exacerbate things. And for what? What Rye gives us is the understanding that crying is communication. You know, there are very few times when it's an emergency that we really need to do something about right away. Uh, So we can take our time, we can, you know, listen, but we've got to, I think, work on our perception of our baby's discomfort and our role in it, which is to obviously make help our baby to be as comfortable as possible. And that's going to be in preventative ways as well. You know, having as calm and quiet a day as we can arrange for our baby, you know, in these early months, especially Giving them free movement. I mean, one thing that was interesting about my son. I mean, you can't really compare, as you said, the babies are all different. They each have their own temperament, and their own sensitivities, and their own levels of sensitivities. And uh, but I found it interesting that my son. He only had difficulties in the night. He would be up for two hours straight, and I'd have him in my bed with me uh, while he was crying. He he had a little bassinet next to me where I was sleeping, but I would you know, be holding him, and he would cry for two hours. And there was really nothing much I could do about it. Nursing didn't help. In some cases, it made it worse at that point. And there we were. And I remember getting up each day and you know, getting up. I mean, I was up so much of the night between the two hours of crying and then the feedings. You know, in the morning, I would feel like I can't do another day like this. And then there would be another day, and another day, and another day. But w- what was interesting with him is that, and, you know, he's the happiest person in the world now. Like, there, there is no happier person that I've ever met than this guy. But he, during the day, he, I think, was moving more. <laughs> You know, even when he was just a tiny infant, he was moving his limbs more. And I, I think that that was maybe why part of the reason that he was better during the day. He's a very active guy still. And I think maybe just being asleep, you know, kind of slowed everything down his digestion or whatever slowed it all down. And then it was got really uncomfortable for him. But when he was awake, he could move around. And I think that worked better for him. So what I'm saying is the free movement that Magda recommended, I I do think that it makes a big difference for some babies. Yeah. Another wonderful thing that Rye gives us is we're able to see our child or we try to see this as an evolving person, you know, moment to moment, and not making these decisions. And I don't know that this mother did that at all deciding that this is a certain type of baby that needs a certain thing instead of seeing that well oh in this moment here on this changing table my baby seems fine so why don't i just wait here a bit and let you know her explore a little or look around or you know be be fine on her back in this moment being open to all the shifts in moment to moment that our baby could make instead of deciding, which would tend to lead us to over-intervene, that my baby can't handle being down on her back and making like a blanket decision (laughs) about that. I think that gets in our way.
1: And recognizing how it does change from moment to moment, from day to day, from week to week. And so at a month old, Maybe it's true that the baby is needing lots of holding and the baby is uncomfortable and unhappy a lot of the time. And every time you do put her down, she seems like she's upset. But noticing how that changes with consistency, with giving her these opportunities, the the slow pace. Like you said, noticing on the diaper-changing table Oh, she's pretty content right here, right now. So you're right there with her and you just slow that whole process down and let her be there, you know? And so today maybe it's for five minute period of time noticing that building on that and acknowledging. I think consistency is so important. So you have that time when you're feeding and you're holding and if you believe that your baby has reflux, you're holding her up on your shoulder after feeding For a longer period of time, but then do put her down. Do put her down. And and maybe it's only a few minutes, but that's a start. And then you build on that, you know, and talk to her about what's happening. The freedom of movement, I know for my little one who did have reflux, silent reflux, was incredibly helpful for her. She would pull her legs up to her chest from very early on, from four months. And she pulled them up in a a rhythmic motion. That seemed to help her, but that was not something that I ever did with her. I didn't bicycle her legs, but I did talk with her, get down there on the floor and talk with her about what I was noticing. You know, it seems like you're a little uncomfortable. And I might place my hand on her tummy, but letting her have that time, letting her find the way to move on her own that was comfortable. And then, you know, you touched on this too, it's our piece of it. If we're holding, because we decide, okay, my baby's in pain, I can't possibly put her down. She's miserable. If I put her down, she needs to be carried. That's the only way that she seems to sometimes not be so uncomfortable. If we believe that about our babies, then that's what we're going to do. And whatever we do is what they come to need and expect. If we're feeling exhausted and stressed and doing all of this carrying, And I'm certainly not blaming parents. Again, that's why I started with making this distinction that they come to us with their own personalities, their own temperaments, their own, you know, some babies are more sensitive, are more intense. But if we're exhausted and we feel like this is what I have to do because this is what she needs, they feel that too. So it becomes a feedback loop, a negative feedback loop. They absorb our Exhaustion they they absorb our worry, they absorb our stress, yeah, and this is not to blame a parent, and in terms of doctors not being helpful that 's something that i've also experienced with my girl is that there were things that I was observing and that I knew were problematic for her. She was struggling, and she was in physical pain and discomfort, and she was not responding to the typical uh, prescriptions or, or, or advice that the doctors were giving, and that's something that I feel a parent should trust themselves, should trust their observation if they are observing the baby closely. I, I went so far as to document in written form. You know, if you have an intuition that something is not quite right, or that your baby is in pain and it's based on your observations and you go to a doctor and, they, and they're telling you it's not a problem or, it's, or you're imagining this or, you know, well, just do this. And, and you're not feeling listened to, you're not feeling supported, you feel that really, you know, there's something that's being missed. Trust your intuition, trust your baby, trust your observation, and find another doctor.
0: No doctor knows your baby as well as you do. I could see how that would strip her confidence, though. It's scary to be a first-time parent and then to feel like you are kind of impotent in your ability to help your baby become comfortable.
1: Yeah, and to be exhausted. I mean, that's the other thing. I think it's important for the parent to be supported, to have (laughs) rest. have breaks. So part of that is within the course of the day with your baby, if you've got a baby that's tiny, that's up every hour at night, despite whatever you're doing, you know, you're going to be exhausted. The parent's going to be in need of support or time away, time to sleep, time to exercise. And there can be this, you know, well, how can I leave her when she's experiencing this? And it it can seem like, well, it's selfish, but it's not over the long haul. Your baby's going to be a lot better off if you are getting as much rest as you can. If you get out to take a walk, if you get to take a shower. And again, with Rye, there's some of that that's built in because you're going to tell your baby, I know you're really unhappy right here right now and this is after you've spent the time with them, but I'm going to take a shower and then I will be back. So you establish those kinds of things, not trying to eat while holding the baby or wearing the baby, not, not putting all of your needs off all of the time, because the baby needs me.
0: Yeah, because again, as you pointed out earlier, the same sensitive baby that's very sensitive to the discomforts that, that they have is, is also, you know, as you said, very sensitive to what's going on with the parent. So taking care of ourselves is, is going to make our baby feel better, you know? Um, I mean, that sounded like a really quick shower <laughs> she was going to have to take with the baby crying, but <laughs> I can't imagine. But, you know, yeah, I mean, it's hard. I remember, you know, with my son, one of the things was, I mean, I knew probably that it would help. I mean, it may have even been, you know, one of the causes of his discomfort in the night was that I drank coffee in the daytime and I was breastfeeding not a lot of coffee, but I, I knew I should probably cut it out. But you know what, I needed that coffee. <laughs> and, you know, that's where I had to draw the line. That was my, it's like, don't take away my one crutch that I need to survive right now. And I think also knowing that whatever it is, it really will pass. It really, really will pass. You know, it seems endless when you're in the middle of it. Um, it does, but yeah. With- it does pass. And then, I like I said, I've got the brightest spark of, you know, happiness in this whole family. So, so if we can just do our best, you know, get through it, there's no perfect Rye way. Rye is just there to help you to help you, you know, think about the habits that you're creating to just keep our eyes open. It's not some judgment thing saying, don't do this and don't do that. Or now you're not getting it right. It should be the opposite of that. This gives you confidence that crying is okay, your baby's just sharing her feelings with you, and you need to take care of yourself and all of those messages and just do your best. Yeah, letting
1: go of the expectations that it's supposed to work a certain way or that if you do this, then the baby is going to be happy, the baby is going to respond in this way. That's not necessarily true. You know, from reading blogs and, and reading online, or even comparing, looking at your friends' babies, you can get a skewed kind of view. It's like, oh, everybody else's baby is you know can lay there happily and play for an hour and um, is happy and easygoing and yeah. But you don't know. You know what I mean? You don't know because you're only seeing a little glimpse of someone else's experience, someone else's baby. You know, so letting go of an expectation that it's supposed to look a certain way or if you do this, then the baby will respond in this way. You know, I know this mom is expecting another baby and she had not such a great experience to begin with. So now there's there's already this anxiety and this fear about, well, what if it's like this again? And it, it may or it may not be, you know, but trying to let go of that projection as much is it's going to be the same thing and how am I going to deal with it? Possibly she can learn from, from her first experience. Having a, a toddler now, she said that her toddler is happier and more easygoing now. So having that, it's like, oh, yeah, it does, it does change. It does evolve. It does pass. And having that experience of, oh, yeah, it did, you know, it did change. And recognizing what you can do, what she can do differently, not assuming and giving those moments and getting comfortable with the cry. Yeah. The period of Purple Crying, they talk about, this is actually an abuse prevention program and um, they have a website. They talk about, and it, it goes back to kind of what the story you were telling of two babies, two parents, both babies crying and they cried for the same amount of time, no matter, you know, what the parent did. Um, and, and the different response of the different parents. All babies cry as they're maturing, adjusting to being in this world. And like you said, there's so many things in the first month just adjusting to being in the world. All babies do cry. And there's a peak, which happens right around the um, three-month mark. And the difference is that some babies cry more and some babies cry less and babies with colic tend to cry longer and harder and typically in the evening hours, and it can be three or four hours every night, no matter what the response, whether you're carrying them around or not. But it peaks at the three-month mark, and then it rapidly declines. And they talk about, you know, again, letting the baby know, letting the baby know I'm here. You know, I'm listening. I I want to do my best to make you comfortable, but not having that expectation that that you are going to be able to take it away, or that you're going to be able to necessarily suit the baby, or that that should be a goal, and so letting yeah. yourself off the hook a little bit for it. That's
0: wonderful. I mean, what? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I feel <laughs> I feel more relaxed hearing you say that. And, and I don't think I'm going to be having any more babies. <laughs> but wow, what a relief. They're going to cry anyway, maybe, you know, so let it go, let it be. And and yeah, and I think all of those things, the projections, the labeling, the, the fear, all of those get in the way with our best tool, which is to attune to our baby as much as possible, you know, moment to moment, you know, maybe not every single moment, because we need breaks, but but seeing our baby for what's really going on with them, instead of all of our own, you know, feelings are, around it, that's the best kind of partner you can be. I remember another thing I love that Magda Gerber said was the process of learning and understanding your baby is is like two adolescents learning to dance together. This is how this moment is supposed to be right now. That's what that moment was supposed to supposed to look like. You know, that acceptance that you're on track everything's fine it's going to be okay I think that will help I hope that helps this mother thank you so much for being on here with me so sweet of you I love hanging out with you if this is the only way we get to do it (laughs) I'll take it so anyway, I do hope our discussion today helps people out there. And thank you so much, all of you, for listening. Please check out some of my other podcasts. And again, both of my books are available on audio at audible.com and in paperback at Amazon, an ebook at Barnes & Noble and Amazon and apple.com. Uh, check out my new audio series, Sessions, the individual recordings of private consultations with parents. And also, please take a look at the wonderful website, regardingbaby.org, and check out all that Lisa offers there on her website. And don't forget, we can do this. If you like Unruffled, you can listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. When you're committed to raising the standard, you're bound to ruffle some feathers. At Happy Egg, we like to say we farm differently. But in reality, we produce eggs the way people used to, by partnering with local small family farmers who raise our happy hens on eight or more acres. Because in our opinion, farming shouldn't be complicated. It should be happy. Choose happy with Happy Egg. Visit happyegg.com and look for the yellow carton at a store near you. Happy Egg.